You are listening to How Does She Do It, episode 29. Welcome to the ride. Thank you for joining me for another episode of How Does She Do It, a podcast dedicated to sharing practical insight and honest perspective on being grown. My name is Tiffany, and I'm your host. And before I get into this week's episode, a few pre-show announcements. The show notes for this week's episode will be available at howdoesshedoitpodcast.com slash 29. If you are on the Twitters and the Instagrams, you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at howdoes underscore she do it. And you can also follow me on both uh, Instagram and Twitter at Tiff South. That's T-I-F-F-S-O-U-T-H. Tiff should be spelled with two Fs, not one. That's a general rule. And um, if anyone disagrees, they should send me an email to Tiffany at howdoesshedoitpodcast.com. Um, you can also like the show's Facebook page. And if you go to Facebook, you can go to facebook.com slash how does she do a podcast. And, um, as always, if you have questions, comments, topic suggestions for the show, you can send an email to Tiffany at how does she do a podcast.com. And I would love to hear from you as you listen to episodes. If you want to, uh, tweet while you listen to the episode or even post on Facebook, you can use the hashtag, how does she do it? And you can either mention the show or mention me. And, um, I would love to hear from you as you listen to the show and interact with it that way. Thank you again, as always for your five star and even not five star, but five star rating ratings and reviews on the iTunes podcast store. As of this recording, the podcast is still featured on the iTunes podcast store home page in the black voices in business, uh, feature. And it's still, it's like crazy to be able to scroll through and see, uh, my podcast and artwork up there. And the show has also been featured for the last month pretty consistently in the top 200 podcasts for health on iTunes, as well as in the top 200 for self-help podcasts. And so, you know, that is because of your shares, that's because of your downloads, that's because of your ratings and reviews. So continue to do so, so that the show can continue to be um, featured and continue to be uh, included on these ranked lists in the iTunes podcast podcast store. I do read reviews at the end of every episode. I actually will be reading a review at the end of this episode. So if you would like your review read on the show, leave one in the iTunes store. So this week is a Just My Thoughts episode. And I will start with the news, which shouldn't even be news related to Colin Kaepernick. And if you are not aware, Colin Kaepernick during his, the preseason games for the NFL, thank God football is back. He took the stand by actually sitting out during the playing and singing of the national anthem during his preseason games. And he has been dragged by people. His Jersey has been burned and he has been called un-American, unpatriotic. He has been told and said that he is not supportive of veterans, all because he took a stance against standing for a national anthem for a country that mistreats black people and people of color. Paraphrasing his own statement, since then, 
he has since decided to take a knee, which is somewhat of a different and more reverent position, but is still not standing in the traditional way that athletes typically do during sporting events. Like I mentioned, people have been calling, saying that he is not supportive of veterans. There has been a hashtag where it's uh, veterans for Colin Kaepernick supporting him and saying, do not use my military service as a way to minimize this man's freedom of speech and this man's right to protest in a way that he deems peaceful and appropriate, which is exactly right. And since his stance, Colin Kaepernick has uh, pledged to donate $1 million of his salary this year to various community efforts related to people of color. He has also now one of the top-selling jerseys for the San Francisco 49ers, which I think is interesting. And there have been other athletes. I saw something today where another, a female athlete who is, uh, for, I believe it was soccer she played, she also was taking a knee at a sporting event and and mentioned and was sh- showing support and solidarity for Colin Kaepernick and in representing the idea that marginalized people in this country deserve you know, to protest and they also deserve to be supported. So this shouldn't be news. It shouldn't be a conversation. I will say though that his afro though Colin's afro was fly like he came out I think it would might have been the game last week and he was rocking a straight up like 1970s fro and it was so many of the things the internet loved it for the most part um so yeah just find something else to talk about because his decision to protest something that is legitimately protest worthy because what I actually didn't even realize was that the Star Spangled Banner is the song that we sing was written by someone who I believe owned slaves and there's a reference that we don't sing to slavery in the song so you know not really the best song and it has me actually thinking about my own stance and position and what would I do when I am in a position to stand or uh Uh, sing the national anthem not feeling so warm and fuzzy about it anymore although I will say that Whitney Houston's rendition during the Super Bowl several several obviously years ago as well as Marvin Gaye's rendition of the national anthem during an all-star basketball game were two of the best renditions of the national anthem that I've ever heard that said is it time for America to have a new national anthem. If you think so, or if you have thoughts on this at all, tweet me while you're listening to the show, send me an email, um, mention hashtag how does she do it, or send me an email, Tiffany at how does she do it podcast. I would love to hear your thoughts. This week's episode is centered primarily around the conversations related to Nate Parker and Birth of a Nation. And if you are unfamiliar, before I get into the specific allegations related to Nate Parker, Birth of a Nation is a film that premiered at the Sundance Film Sundance Film Festival earlier this year. It was purchased by Fox Searchlight Studios, which is the same studio that produced 12 Years a Slave. It was purchased for a price of $17.5 million, which is the highest in Sundance Film Festival history. And the story is about the revolt 
led by Nat Turner, the slave revolt led by Nat Turner. Nate Parker used his own funds to produce the movie, to direct the movie. He also stars in the movie. So back in January, right around the time that Oscar So White was a thing and a conversation and sparked dialogue in Hollywood and in the Academy related to the lack of presence of people of color in the nominations, the lack of presence of people of color in the room that gets to make the decisions related to nominations and those kinds of things. It was, it came at a point where it was like, all right, you know, this is a a good, this is a win for black Hollywood. This is a win for Hollywood generally, because when more, when there's greater diversity and greater representation in the voices of the people that actually reflect what this nation looks like, everybody wins. So fast forward to the beginning of August or middle of August. Birth of a Nation is set to premiere in theaters this October. And around this time, every year, there begin conversations related to the Oscars. And with that comes scrutiny of the films that are potentially in the running for Oscar nominations, as well as the people connected to said films. What happened in this instance where... Nate Parker is not a new actor in Hollywood. He's new to some people, but he was in a movie called Beyond the Lights a few years ago that I really liked. He was also in The Great Debaters. He was, there was a movie that he was in before that that I can't exactly remember, but I like Nate Parker as an actor. I think he is, um, he is a good actor. I think that he has a lot of potential. He is young and it, you know, it's, I think he creates an opportunity for more talented people to be showcased in Hollywood. Insert the story and the reporting of Nate Parker's acquittal on rape charges that occurred several years ago when he was a college student. I will say before I go on that there will be conversations related to sexual assault and violence in this episode. So I just want to make that disclaimer known. So like I said, Nate Parker was accused of rape in 1999 when he was a student at Penn State. He was also an athlete. He was a wrestler. And Nate was acquitted of these rape charges. Nate was not the only person accused of rape. Nate's co-writer for The Birth of a Nation, Jean Celestin, was also accused of rape, and he was convicted and later acquitted on appeal. Um, or later, uh, his, his conviction was overturned on appeal. So that bl- brings us to today, to 2016, Nate is 36 years old. He, as he reminded the world, is a husband. He is a father. And he, as he put it very arrogantly in the first set of interviews and statements related to the resurgence of this story, he put it behind him. Unfortunately, that's easy, easier said than done for him uh, in, in the day and age that we live in where there are important and necessary conversations related to rape culture in America, to 
male privilege to the what it means to be masculine in America as it relates to women and women's bodies. And for me, what makes this conversation so challenging, when I first heard of the allegation, my instinct was to, my first thought was just like, I can't believe that this is happening right as this black man is being uh, celebrated for what potentially is going to be a very important film and an important moment in the telling of stories that are often not told at all related to slavery and history of black people in America. I thought, you know, is this true? How interesting is the timing of this? Because it's not like this has been a secret because he's been in other movies before. He's been in other films before. But as with many other things, once you become more famous, once you become more um, relevant in the topics of more and more conversation, now people are going to both find reason to talk about you more and to try and drag you down through the mud. So that's, I think, why this has come out at this time, and rightfully so. I'm not saying that it shouldn't have been brought up at all. I just think it's important to note that this is, the timing is connected specifically to the fact that he is becoming more of a, uh, somewhat of a household name, and that's me, you know, me overstating it, but you understand what I'm saying. So like I said, when I first heard about the story, I kind of I don't want to say I dismissed it, but I didn't uh, put much thought into it. And then I started to read more articles about it. Then I started to learn a little bit more about the allegations against him and his co-writer. And then I started to struggle with my own story as a survivor. Uh, I am a survivor of childhood abuse, sexual abuse, and... I can't say that I didn't expect to be impacted by this, but it has been a struggle for me. And there is a conflict. There is a, 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 a challenge that I have as someone who on one hand wants to see this black man succeed. And as someone on the other hand believes that it is important that this country recognize and that people recognize the impact and severity of what it means to be sexually victimized in America. Nate Parker's accuser is someone who can no longer tell her own story because she committed suicide in 2012. Nate didn't know that she had killed herself. He didn't admittedly had not thought about her, had not thought about the crime, had not thought about the allegations against him in years since they essentially since they occurred. And that is 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 problematic. So what ended what ended up happening is he made a series of statements initially when these allegations were first reported on that were arrogant, that were offensive, that were dismissive, that were very selfish, that made the made the story about him. Because as I mentioned before, here he is on, on a rise and here the media is tearing him down, which is not a story that is uncommon for 
anyone in Hollywood, but but we see we see it. It had one has to think about: Does that mean something specific when we talk about people of color? Is there a different tone to it when it comes to people of color? That's a question that I will leave you to answer for yourself because I think everyone will see it and experience that that story differently. But when I think about the complexities of this situation, the fact that we are talking about a something that happened several years ago his initial response was terrible since his initial interviews he has been interviewed he did an interview with ebony magazine and i don't want to say has fully redeemed himself because again i think that the level of redemption is going to really be in the eye of the beholder but i think what he has done without admitting guilt because you know from a from his lawyer standpoint you know there's only but so much you can say and should say when it comes to things i think like this when you're talking about um conversations and interviews but he acknowledged that he was wrong in the in the way that he made the situation about himself he acknowledged that he was arrogant in the way that he never thought about his victim. He never thought about her and her the impact on her life. And now her life has been lost. And we don't know a significant amount about this woman, but we do know that she suffered from mental illness and depression, that she dropped out of school, that she went on to have, you know, have a child and continued to struggle um, until she ended her life in 2012. When I think about my thoughts on this, I think about from from the social worker in me is like, you know what, Nate, he needs help too. Obviously, if he can't, has not been brought to task really related to the situation, if he has not learned to acknowledge his role in what happened and has been taught and coached to shirk around it, he needs help too. He deserves the opportunity to grow and to be heard because he is a part of this of this story. The survivor in me is just like, you know, later for him. <laughs> and I hope that he comes to grasp and comes to grips with what he has done here. And then the lawyer in me, you know, as he mentioned that he was acquitted and he was found not guilty. Acquittal does not mean innocence. Never does. We can cite too many examples of people who have been acquitted of crimes that we, with a pretty good certainty, know in some way they were morally and actually responsible for the crime that they were committed, um, that they were accused of. So when I think about, you know, what he has, what he has since said, I think that what's happened now basically is that there are people who are taking positions. There are people who are advocating for supporting the film at all costs. There are people who are advocating to boycott the film at all costs. There are people who are just like, why do we even care about this at all? And in thinking about putting together this episode, I really just wanted to to share that when it comes to stories, really any story in society, but when it comes to stories like this, there there has to be a recognition that we all have our own experiences and perspectives that inform the lens through which we view the world. 
And as a survivor, it is not my right or responsibility to dictate how any other person should or should not support this film. I have made the decision that I probably, and actually I guess it's by me saying probably I have not made a decision, but I will probably go see this movie. Will it be hard for me to see it? Yes. I already know um, by reading, I read a, a piece that Gabrielle Union wrote, who I was extremely moved by what she wrote about her own experience as a survivor of sexual assault and as someone who chose to be in this movie to give a voice to victims, to then learn about this, to have been associated and connected with someone so closely in this, in this movie and the challenges that that brought up for her. I will also acknowledge that in the piece, there was a clear, there was a bit of a slant and an attempt to use this platform and this issue to, and connect it, the movie to combating and raising awareness related to campus violence or sexual violence on campuses against women, which I don't think is a fair attempt to make that connection. I can't say that she made that leap on her own. I don't know what informed her writing to that, to that particular piece. But I think that it, it goes to show you, shows you that there is a complexity here and that it is not a right or wrong response. It is not a check yes or check no. When I think about people like Bill Cosby, who has not said anything related to the countless allegations of rape and assault against him that has that spanned several years of his career. When I think about the the disgusting human beings like R. Kelly, who when a song that he has made comes on, I find myself singing to and then having to pull myself back and, and remind myself that he's a, a vile human being. There's a there's a challenge here, there's a struggle here. And so it is not our responsibility to dictate how any one person should feel or should view their response or desire to see or not see or support or not support this movie. But I do want to to highlight some of the things that Nate Parker acknowledged in his interviews. And what one of the things that he said, he said, a lot of men, and I'm quoting, paraphrasing here, don't really start thinking about the effects of hypermasculinity and false definitions of what it means to be a man until you get married or until you have kids, because then all of a sudden you have something to protect. In all actuality, we got to do better about preparing our men for their interactions with women. And in him saying that, I think he's right. I completely think he's right. And as a woman, it's hard for me to understand not thinking about women because I am a woman. But when we think about American society as a whole, when we think about the fact that advice and uh, recommendations are often directed at women. So we're often, women are often told what we need to do in order to get and uh, negotiate higher salaries. We are often told what we need to do to be single or to not be single or to stay in a relationship. We are often told how we need to govern ourselves in order to move up in leadership. We are supposed, we are told what to do and what not to do when it comes to avoiding being sexually assaulted in various instances, or if your skirt needs to be, shouldn't be so short, or you need to make sure you are doing X, Y, Z. We don't talk to men. Society rarely talks to men about these issues. And so it is now this opportunity, this is an opportunity here born out of unfortunate circumstances for this conversation to be had in a different way, because now 
there is a man whose name has been in the news and media for the last several months beginning to have this conversation, whether for self-interest or for genuine, um, you know, concern related to the issue, the conversation is being had. And, um, you know, I think that as a, as a black woman, my first reaction to, you know, here they go trying to tear down this black man is indicative of the idea that as black women, and maybe I can only speak for myself, is that often our first instinct is to protect our men or to worry about our men and to not think about ourselves in some respects. And this is an instance where, you know, it took me, it took me several days to really begin to think about what about me? What about how I feel related to this film? What about, um, how other survivors are going to feel related to this film? What about how other women are going to feel, how men are going to feel, whether they care not, you know, to, to see it one way or the other. And, um, I think that, there's an an intersectionality that happens when you're a black woman that is 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 very very complicated and it is hard and it has been hard for me to really pry apart and maybe I shouldn't try or maybe I can't actually try to separate my womanhood from my blackness and this conversation related to this film and whether or not I should support the film or whether or not I want to go see it has really forced me to grapple with where do I where do I fall here and I don't have to make a, a concrete decision I can change my mind 75 times between now and when the film actually comes out but it is complicated. And there will I will feature the link to Gabrielle Union's uh, piece. I will feature a link to the Ebony interview. I will also feature a link to a New York Times op-ed that was written by Roxanne Gay. And I'll also feature a link to an article written by Goldie Taylor of the Daily Beast that I thought was a very thoughtful conversation and back and forth about this about this topic and about this situation. But I really believe that at the end of the day, we have to allow people to go on their journey. And that means Nate Parker should be allowed to go on his journey. We might not like it. He will continue to be scrutinized as he very well should. And he will hurt as a result of this, as he very well should, not because he deserves pain, but because he deserves to be called to task for wrongs that he has done, as do everyone. And at the same time, he also deserves the space to rise and to learn from that wrong and to right that wrong in the best way that he can. And when we think about the conversations related to this particular movie, when we think about the conversation related to the news of Nate Parker's uh, accusation and acquittal related to um, the rape of this young woman on Penn State's campus, we have to remember that there are survivors everywhere. And the way that you talk, the way that you carry yourself, whether you're male or female, there could there just be mindful of the things that you say because you just never know what someone's story is related to this incident or anything else when it comes to points of pain, when it comes to controversial conversations, you don't know where people are coming from and everyone is entitled to their opinions, but just be mindful of the words that you say and the, the position that you take and the 
the tone at which you take that position, not to change your position because of what other people's stories or experiences might be, but just be mindful of how you say things and how you address them. So the question is, will I go see the movie? Probably. I think it's important that Nat Turner's story is told. I think that it's important that this country and the media and the film industry know that these stories of slavery, that these stories related to black American history are stories that need to be heard and are respected and are desired to be heard and told in American society. Do I think that Nate Parker is a terrible human being? Not necessarily. Do I think that he has a lot of learning to do? Yes, as we all do. And my hope is that this will be an opportunity for him to truly become a supporter and spokesperson and leader in a conversation that has that needs to be had well before needed to be had well 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 before these this story came out about him because he's not the only male celebrity to be involved in these kinds of allegations and to not and to 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 not have said anything that's the thing that's what's different here is that we're watching him go through this kind of in real time and to struggle with his his position and his learnings and his to watch him grapple with the uh, beliefs that he has held as a man in this country. A lot of other times we don't hear anything from the, the, those who are accused. So this is, a, I think, a relatively unique situation. And uh, at the end of the day, I just I just ask that we are kind to all people and we don't have to like them. We don't have to use our money to support them, but just remember that, that they are human. And even in this, even for the egregious crime that he allegedly committed, and I will continue to say allegedly because that's what everybody else in the media is doing, this is an opportunity for us and it's an opportunity for him. I know this episode was a bit heavier than usual, but I thank you for listening. I think the story presented an interesting opportunity to discuss intersectionality, self-care, the value of hearing and knowing and understanding your perspective and why your perspective is what it is, as well as being considerate of the perspectives of others. So be kind to yourself, be mindful of where you are coming from, and also be mindful of the fact that other people are coming from somewhere too. So before we close out, close out for real, I want to leave you with a few things. The first is a recommendation for a show on Netflix. If you haven't watched it yet, check out The Get Down. It came out maybe a a couple weeks ago, um, but it is a story, fictionalized version of the origins of hip hop and like DJing and seeing Grandmaster Flash stars in it. I believe Nas is a co, is a writer or a producer or a director. He's somehow involved in the show, but it's a little cheesy. The first episode kind of takes a little bit it takes a little while to kind of get geared up, but once you get into it, it's just a really, I think it's a fun story. So check it out if you can. And if you have not already left me a five-star rating and review in the iTunes store, please do so. It really, really helps. I greatly appreciate it. It's one of the reasons why the show is, as of this recording, still featured on the homepage of the iTunes podcast store. 
And before I get to reading this week's review, I am doing a series on productivity and habit formation and getting disciplined and developing good habits or breaking old ones. If you have questions or issues or resources related to productivity and habits and being disciplined, send me an email, Tiffany at how does she do a podcast.com. I would love to hear from you. You can also leave me a voice message. If you go to the website, how does she do a podcast.com on the right hand side of the screen, you can click and leave a voicemail that way, or you can just send me a voice memo from your phone and email me directly, Tiffany at how does she do a podcast.com. So all things related to productivity and habit formation and being disciplined, I would love to hear your stories, love to hear something that helped you, something that was a challenge for you or something that you learned from somebody else that has really been able to get you focused in a different way, share it with us and I will share it with uh, the rest of the listeners on the show. And this week's review comes from Uzuri18. It reads, Tiffany offers a fresh, insightful perspective that is honest, grounded, and just all around great. She brings up great points on how to be the best version of oneself and how to think and act critically on getting to the next step. I listen in every week and would definitely recommend this podcast to everyone. Thank you very, very much for this review in the iTunes podcast store. If you haven't left one already, please do so when you can, and I will read it on a future show. And until next time, be blessed and be a blessing. Peace. Peace.